read his minutes, and, uh, take his part in it. So we'll, we'll wait till next week to do that. If you will turn in your Bibles uh, tonight to First uh, Thessalonians chapter four. We've been studying concerning the kingdom of God and, and the fact of this age to come, the age now and the age to come. Talking about these uh, this separation in it, and we'll just move right on into uh, eschatology and what the we see the scripture teaches concerning these last events. Um, and of course, the 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 coming of our Lord, His second coming is. As we see it here, according to Scripture, it's really coming in two phases. The first one is his rapture of the saints that we find mentioned here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, as well as John chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We see these, these things described, particularly the resurrection, and the Lord returning for us. And Paul gives us probably the most details of this event here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As we see here um, written in this passage, this this, uh, term, rapture, uh, you'll not find it here in the scriptures. It is a Latin term that we use to describe the event. Um, Here, the term that we find in in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is catching away or caught up. Uh, that's that's that word harpazo in the Greek, and that means to be caught up with force. And that's what is being described. The word rapture is put on that, uh, which which is uh, same word, same meaning to be caught up. Uh, but it is the the Latin of it, and we see here the the Greek is to be caught up. Uh, to be to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So that's where this this. Uh, the word itself comes from. This is the next event that we are looking for. Now we've got much warning given us concerning the tribulation period, concerning that seven year period and the events that take place on the earth during that time. We have a great deal of description as we've already looked at concerning the millennial reign of our Lord and those events that will take place during that time as well. Uh, there's a great deal of detail John gives us again concerning the tribulation period that, and, and uh, a lot of those warnings that are given not only by John in the Revelation but particularly by what the Lord wrote or said in, in uh, chapter 23 on through chapter 24 of Matthew. Those descriptions of those events there are often those warnings that are given there are often tried uh, by meaning to apply them to the events that are happening in our world today. And in the application of those uh, of those warnings of that which is coming during the tribulation period can cause a great deal of confusion when you're trying to apply them to now. Uh, you, you have people worried that even today and, and about somehow accidentally taking the mark of the beast. We don't have to worry about accidentally taking the mark of the beast. Everybody's going to know what it is when they take it during the tribulation period. There's not going to be anybody tricked into it. They're going to take it willingly as a mode of worship to the beast. That's what they're doing in taking that mark. But you have people today that's worried to death about somehow they're going to accidentally take 
the mark of the beast because of some credit card they've got, some some number that they're going to take. Uh, they, when Social Security numbers first came out, there was people afraid that they were taking the mark of the beast then by having a Social Security number. The, the mark of the beast only will take place during that seven-year tribulation period. And it will be clearly given and established that that's what it is, is the mark of the beast. And the scripture even tells us what that will be as well in the sense of what it's going to appear and where it's going to appear. It's going to be on the right hand or on the forehead. It's going to be his mark, his name, or the number of his name. But one of those three things. It's not going to be something accidental that somebody's going to accidentally take. They're going to take it willingly and know exactly what it is. So that's part of the problem when people read into the read those things that are written concerning the events that take place during the tribulation period and get get excited and get caught up in what those warnings are and try to apply them in our day to death, those those particular things. Now, there are parts of the warnings that the Lord gives, especially there in Matthew twenty four, that we can see happening around us because they don't only mark what's going on in the tribulation period, but they mark our age itself. For instance, the wars and rumors of wars. I mean that's that's going on, it has been going on throughout this entire age. And so these are things that we earthquakes in diverse places. Well those happen. There's one just in Morocco uh, Friday, I believe it was, and so you, you've got you've got those things happening like that, and so it's easy to to plug those into those warnings. But those those are things that are realities for the whole of this age. Now those things are going to increase. I believe the scripture teaches us during the tribulation period, we're going to see more of those during the tribulation period, more than what we see today, even. So there's things that do have some application because they mark the age itself, but overall we're not to apply those things to us today because I'm not looking for the Antichrist. Listen, he may be alive. He may be out there. I kind of think he is. He may be even already in power somewhere. I kind of think that may be the case. But I'm not looking for him. I'm not looking for the tribulation period to begin. I'm not looking for these events to take place there that the Scripture warns us of that's going to take place during the tribulation period. We know these things. We see them. They're given to us for us to understand these realities concerning this time. But it's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is the return of my Lord. Because that's the event that's happening next. And that's what First Thessalonians, what Paul is telling us here in this passage as he speaks to this reality of the return of our Lord in the catching up of his saints. Now notice verse 13 is where we will begin uh, in this reading. He said, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. Or with Him, rather. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. 
For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, this, this church here, the church of Thessalonica, they were enduring some tribulation. They were enduring some persecution when Paul was writing this letter to them. And so if anybody was looking probably for some signs of tribulation period, it may have been them. They may have been looking for some of these signs. And Paul said, listen, that, what you're be looking for is the Lord. And he, they, they received a letter from supposedly from Paul that was written to them. And in that letter that was supposedly from Paul, or at least uh, a letter according to Paul's instruction anyway, uh, they, were, they were told that those that had died of their brethren had missed the resurrection, or had missed the coming of the Lord. And so they thought, okay, our loved ones that have now passed away, who had lived faithful lives for the Lord and lived, served Him faithfully, they've died and the Lord's not returned and they've missed it. And that's what they were, they were truly concerned about this, this thought that their loved ones that had died in the Lord had somehow missed the Lord. And Paul is writing them this letter to, to straighten them out on this particular thought. Now remember, you and I, we, we have the benefit of having First Thessalonians chapter 4. <laughs> uh, we can go to it and read it. And we can get comfort from that, from Paul's writing here concerning this reality and what he's telling them. But they didn't have it. They didn't have that. If they had anything, they may have had a few of the writings of Paul that, that was being passed around from church to church. They may have had some of the books of the Old Testament at this point uh, that they were, they were looking to and studying out of. Well, they didn't have the, the, by no means did they have the full completed New Testament. Maybe they had the Gospel of John Mark at that time, uh, his being one of the earliest ones that was written. Perhaps they had a copy of it. But by and large, they didn't have what we have today in the, in the full revelation of Christ in the 27 books of the New Testament. And so when Paul's writing this stuff to them, it's new information to them. At least information that's more fully explained uh, than what they had understanding of to begin with. And so Paul is, is encouraging them, he's giving them this information, he's, he's, he's straightening up this, these problems of their understanding about what's taken place with those that have passed on. And he uses that term, Paul uses that term uh, uh, on a couple occasions, that term asleep. Uh, those that are asleep uh, in Jesus or asleep in the Lord, uh, that's, that's the term in speaking of them dead, but not dead without Christ. Rather dead in Christ. Uh, that they're, they're, they're in the sense that their bodies are only asleep. There's a resurrection coming. There's a resurrection promise. It's going to come forth out of the grave. Jesus said that concerning Lazarus even there in, in the, 
John chapter 11 when he's describing Lazarus' situation. Go back with me and read, read that passage of Scripture uh, as, as he's called to, uh, to come because Lazarus is sick and the Lord, of course, delays his coming. Um, John chapter number 11. Verse 11. Um, well, let me go back up and read from verse 1. We'll go on down through because we'll get the whole context here. It says, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And Jesus heard, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto, say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and go south hither again. And Jesus answered, Is, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not. Behold, because rather he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. <laughs> Maybe y'all leave him alone, Lord. He's sleeping, he's resting. Uh, let, him, let him rest. Let him go on and sleep. Uh, and then he says, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they, they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. So you use the same term here that Paul's using in reference to our sleeping. Now, there are those that take that term, just as a way of explaining to you, there are those that take that term uh, that, that sleep in Jesus. And they, they try to teach a doctrine called soul sleep. And in that doctrine that is called soul sleep, particularly uh, Seventh-day Adventist, hold to that. There are some others that, that hold to that as well. And what they teach there concerning the uh, soul sleep is that when someone dies, they are their soul remains in their body in the grave and they sleep until Jesus comes to, to rapture us from the grave. And when we are raptured, then they come awake again. Their soul comes back to life with their body. And so they claim that, that at the resurrection we are awakened. Now that's not what the Scripture teaches us concerning our death. The Bible clearly tells us to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And so we, we, are, we are told there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 there, uh, I believe it's chapter verse 9, that we, we are, we in, in death, in the, the laying down of this body, the souls of God's people are brought into the presence of the Lord. 
And there our souls remain until our, our bodies can catch up with us. And that's what takes place here at the resurrection. And we even see it here in the fact that he says God will bring us with him there in this passage. So it's not, by no means, is soul sleep taught with that word asleep. What he's simply declaring is he's speaking of a resurrection. We're going to come forth from the grave. Yet, dead, but we are asleep in the sense we have that promise of an awakening that's coming to our bodies. He says, Paul says again, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. We as the children of God, because the promises of God to us concerning what we, what we have in our salvation in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord and the promise of the resurrection that Paul speaks to concerning there in 1 Corinthians 15, the, concerning the Lord's return and preparing a place for us and coming again to receive us unto Himself, that where He is there we may be also, that He describes in John chapter number 14, because of those promises, we as the children of God, of all people, should be a people of hope. There is nothing for us to be hopeless in. Uh, and as far as what we are promised, as far as what our Lord is going to do, as far as what He has saved us unto, there is nothing for us to be hopeless in. We have great and precious promises that are given us as the children of God. And so we, even in death, as Paul is describing here in verse 13, even in those moments, those times of death, you and I, as the children of God, can still have hope. We still have hope because of what? Our Lord has promised, and He is ever faithful. He is ever faithful that gave us these promises. He will perform them even until the day of Jesus Christ. And so we have this this great hope, and so that's how we, even in those situations of death, as He is describing here, we, we as God's people have hope even in those times. For if we believe, He says, that Jesus died and rose again... Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. And so there He's describing the reality of our bodies, yes, are asleep in the grave, but our souls are present with our Lord. We will be brought with Him. He is bringing us to return, to come together again with our bodies that are in the grave. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. That word prevent there means to go before. To go before. And so Paul is telling us here that we which are alive and remain are not going to go before those that are asleep in their graves. In other words, those in their graves are going to receive their resurrection first. They're going to be brought up first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them uh, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so this, this, there's an order to this resurrection that takes place. Now, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And those that were resurrected with Him... Uh, this is the resurrection unto life. We were talking 
uh, last week about the resurrection of the dead and those realities that the Scripture teaches us there in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, it's not really... A, a, the Bible uses the term resurrection, but we have a, an idea about a resurrection being a life-giving. And it's, it's not really a resurrection of, uh, in that sense. It's a resurrection unto death is what, exactly how the Scripture puts it in Revelation 20. Uh, it, is, it is resurrected not to receive a glorified body, but rather to receive judgment and to be cast into the lake of fire. And so this, that's the, the second resurrection, or the resurrection unto death. Jesus in, is the first fruits of the first resurrection. And the first resurrection is the resurrection unto life. And so when He was resurrected, He's the beginning of that. We read there in, Rome, or in John chapter 11, the resurrection of, of Lazarus there in that chapter. Lazarus would die again. And he's going to have to be resurrected again. Uh, so poor old Lazarus, he got to go through it twice, you see. Uh, but but he, that wasn't his resurrection unto life, if you will, uh, that took place there in John chapter 11. That's yet to come. For Lazarus. But when our Lord was resurrected, that is the first fruits of the resurrection. And then those of the Old Testament saints that were resurrected with him. I wish there was more given us concerning that. There's really just one verse that speaks to that reality. And so I don't know how all that unfolded and who all that it was that was resurrected. We're just told that there were those that were resurrected. And they were walking around in the streets of Jerusalem just like our Lord was and people saw them and knew them when they saw them. That's all we really know. And that they were, I understand, were caught up with the Lord when He ascended, they ascended with Him. And so uh, other, than, other than that, we don't know who all it was. I've always assumed that it was some Old Testament saints, but it wasn't all of them because Peter is pretty adamant in Acts chapter 2, when he's preaching there on the day of Pentecost, that David was still in his grave. In fact, he made that a point of proof that David, in, in uh, Psalm chapter 16, when he is speaking there about the resurrection of the Lord, he was, he was adamant that David wasn't talking about himself because David was still in the grave and his body did see corruption. And he said, we all know where his grave's at. So he was pretty adamant that David was still in his grave. So who was resurrected with the Lord? At the, I don't know. I don't. I don't. We're not given enough information on that. I just know there were some that were, and they ascended with the Lord when He ascended. That's what they. That's what the Scripture tells us concerning that. That was the first fruits of the resurrection. The second bunch is what is being described here in First Thessalonians chapter four. That is our resurrection. That is the resurrection at the end of this age, the end of this, this age of grace. That's going to be a resurrection then. This is the one Paul is describing. And then there's a third one that takes place at the end of the tribulation period of those saints that were killed during the tribulation period. There's a resurrection of those folks as well. And so there's three phases of this resurrection unto life that the Scripture gives us an account of. This one here in chapter 4 is the one that belongs to us. And that's the one that we are looking for. 
And again, it's the next event in the timeline of prophecy that we are looking for. We are looking for our Lord's return. Again, we're not looking for Antichrist. We're not looking for His mark. We're not looking for these events that are going to take place during the tribulation period. Those are not the things that we are looking for. We're looking for our Lord. We are awaiting His return of Him calling us unto Himself. Paul clearly thought that it was going to happen in his day. Because he uses the term, we, which are alive and remain. Paul was expecting very clearly to be alive when the Lord would come to resurrect the saints. Paul was expecting it in his day. That was 2,000 years ago. And it's not yet happened. How much more should we be expecting it then in our day? How much more should we be looking for it now, even than Paul was looking for it in his day, you see? Our Lord is coming. He will return, just as He says. And so are we looking for His return? This is what's going to take place next. And He says here that if, verse 14 again, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. This is this is revelation that was given to Paul, that Paul is writing down for us. It was given to him by the Lord. It's not this is not described in this detail any other place before this. You don't have this description given in the Old Testament about how this event is going to, how the second coming of the Lord was going to, to meet out. We're just told he's coming. There's a few details given us about what it's going to be like, what it's going to look like. Daniel gives us some details concerning the tribulation period, concerning the number of days that these things are going to be taking place. But as far as how all of it lines out, Paul is the one that gives us the most details as the Lord was giving them to him. He, he gives these details to us. So it was by the word of the Lord that he writes these things down. And then he, again he says, We which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or shall not go before them that are asleep. Uh, there's, uh, I've made mention of it to you before. There's a, let's see, I think their name is Steels. Uh, I believe it's, I believe that's right. The Steels, it's a, a Southern Gospel group. And they have this song about the rapture. And it's, it's kind of, Funny in how they how they put it, and it's at the end of the song. There's a, uh, a news reporter that's talking about the resurrection of the graves being burst open and people's bodies gone. And this, the news anchor is in the studio, and he's talking to the news reporter out in the field, and he says, "I, I we've got these reports all over of these graves being burst open and and." The, Bodies gone from the graves. Can you give us any insight on what, what's happening there where you're at at your location? And the, the uh, news reporter says, well, I'll tell you what I believe it is. I believe it's the resurrection uh, a promise that the Lord is coming to receive us unto himself. And, and uh, me being a Christian, he said, I believe Jesus is coming to get us, and I believe this is the, what's happening here. And then the anchor said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, we've got other breaking news. He said, now there's living people disappearing. Let's go back to our man in the, in the field. And he starts calling his name, John, John, hey, John, can you tell us what's going on? John, are you there, John? 
<laughs> and that's kind of how the song ends, you know. That's, I don't know how long it's going to be between those coming out of the grave and those of us that are alive being caught up. I don't know the the scripture tells us that it is in the moment of a twinkling of an eye there in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. But that's talking about the body being changed of those that are dead and their bodies being changed into glorified bodies. It'll be in the moment of a twinkling of an eye, just a, that glimmer of light that runs across the eyes. How quick it's going to—they're going to be changed into their glorified bodies. But but how long the rapture, how long the event itself will take place, I don't know. I assume that's going to be fairly quickly. That I don't don't think they'll have time to report on it like they were saying in that song. I, I kind of doubt that's the way it's going to happen. But I don't know. I don't know. And I think, honestly, that's the reason that we have so much hype uh, in our world even now by by uh, Satan and and it's being promoted by even our own government itself about all of the the UFO sightings and the aliens and coming because that's I believe that's one of the first things they're going to say when suddenly you have all these people gone from the presence of this world all the Christians gone I, I it's aliens that come and snatch them all I, I I just know that's one of the first example one of the first things they're going to say is taking place. Uh, but this, no matter how long it's going to take, it's going to be the dead in Christ first, risen to receive their glorified bodies. And they'll be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. And then those of us that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Uh, as he says there in verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain... And of the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are, the, are asleep, he says. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So our Lord will descend. He does not at this time set foot on the earth. He remains in the cloud. But he will call us unto him. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then he says, verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I had a lady, she believed very strongly uh, in... uh, the all-millennial theory of uh, the end times, and she believed that there was no millennium, that there was, there, she, she claimed that there was a rapture, but it was just a resurrection at the end, and we're just all going to be snatched up at the end of everything and uh, caught up to be with the Lord. And this was her, this is what she hinged it all on, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. She said, see right there, it's the end of and my point here was, no, that's not, this, that's not saying that's the end of it. It's saying we're never going to be parted from Him again. We're, we are going to eternally be with Him. We're never going to leave His side. We're never, they, we've been 2,000 years without His physical presence that we can see, we can lay hands on, that we can look upon. We've been 2,000 years without that. 
And there's this time when this happens right here, we're never again going to be parted from our Lord. We will be with Him continually. We will be with Him forever. We will never be parted from our Lord's side. We are going to be with Him here eternally at this point. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Never going to leave His side. Always present with Him. And then Paul ends this chapter. He says, wherefore, comfort one another. Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. The the words concerning the tribulation period, the words concerning Antichrist, the words concerning all of those events, the judgments of the Lord, those, those bold judgments that are being poured out upon the earth, those are not words of comfort. Those are not things that we comfort one another about. Those are warnings that we're giving to this world. For you and I, we have comfort in our Lord. He has given us words of comfort that we can rejoice in. He's given us words of comfort that we can encourage and lift one another up. And He's given us words of comfort that we can look forward to what He has promised unto us. That He's coming. Our Lord is coming. And He's coming to receive us unto Himself. That where He is, there will be also. Alright, let's all stand and we'll be dismissed tonight.